What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to National Board Conversations. We are speaking with Scott Murray today. He's the superintendent of Ector County in Texas, or as he'll describe it, the Friday Night Lights Town. He plays a key role in the premier strategic grant we have to increase the amount of MBCTs in Texas and New Mexico. Don't let the fact that he's an administrator fool you. He's also a National Board Certified Teacher. He achieved as a member of the absolute first class of National Board Certified Teachers in 1994 and continues to champion the work of the National Board. I won't hold you any longer. Here's my conversation with Scott Murray. Welcome to National Board Conversations, Scott. Thank you for taking the time. Hey, you're very welcome. Glad to be here. All right, so we'll get into it very early. Uh, so can you give us a brief intro of yourself? What's your current role uh, right now? And then I got three little questions to get into you a little bit. Sir, Scott Murray, Superintendent, Ector County Independent School District. Uh, we're located in West Texas. So if you've ever watched Friday Night Lights, we're the home of Friday Night Lights, the book, the, the television show, the movie, that's all us. No, listen, man, I'm a big fan of, the, of both. <laughs> there you go. Well, I've got 50-yard line tickets, so you come on out. We'll, we'll oh, take listen, care of man, you. listen, you ain't got to tell me twice. I'll be out there. There you go. Come on, come on. That's all right, cool. so uh, what are your three favorite foods? Three favorite foods, uh, steak eater. So it's got to be uh, Texas. We have to have beef, so got to have steak. Pizza lover. Okay. And the, the third, I would put gourmet. I just trying unusual or different foods are, are fascinating to me. So I put that in category number three. Okay. Um, okay. I like it. I like it. What's the, go. what's the, uh, I guess the most out there food you've eaten? Oh, beef tongue. Oh, <laughs> yeah. How's that for interesting? It's very interesting. <laughs> All right. Last three songs on your Spotify playlist. Oh, all I'm a, I'm a radio head, so I enjoy things that are popular, but also enjoy oldies. Okay. Um, so Elton John fan, uh, a lot, lot of his old stuff, I think, is is interesting. And it's, um, it's getting remade now with like new it is, it <laughs> is, which is which is fascinating. A lot of people taking the oldies, and we see that in everywhere. But definitely, Elton has uh, found a new audience thanks to yeah. current popular artists. So yeah, Billy Joel. Best concert ever, Billy Joel, Elton John in concert together, dueling pianos. At, oh uh, man, in, where'd you see him? So that was in Florida, Universal Studios, uh, many years ago. It was fascinating. 2,000 people, theater in the round. Awesome. Oh, that sounds like spectacular. And so you traveled a bunch of, or your career has taken you a bunch of places. So it, it has. one sports team that has your heart. And if you're not really a sports guy, a movie you can recite line for line. Oh, no, it's all, all about sports. So I, uh, I'm a Wake Forest graduate. So those Demon Deacons from Wake Forest, we had a tough day on Saturday. Man, I was we a, watching. We had a tough third quarter. Uh, but other than that, yeah, good good team. But uh, definitely, any anytime Wake Forest is playing in any sport, big fan there. Miami Dolphins fan in the NFL, uh, Spurs fan, Texas, been a Spurs fan uh, since uh, the David Robinson era. So those oh, are my man. biggies. Yeah. And an Astros okay. fan right now. Go Astros. Listen. We have <laughs> dual opinions on the Astros, but shout out to them for vindicating everything that's like that they've had to deal with the last couple of years. Getting exactly. back there ain't easy. That's so. exactly right. Yep. <laughs> All right. So we'll go on. Uh, can you share why you uh, became a teacher and why you remain connected to the field? Because you're not in the classroom anymore. Being mm -hmm. a superintendent, your role is completely different. So why do you remain connected? Yeah, so I became a teacher. I went to college pre-med, so it was not. Um, oh, it was not, not even on your radar. No, it was. But 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 service was. I was really pre-med. Pediatric surgery was my focus. So I knew I wanted to work with kids, just didn't know uh, the area. My mother was in the medical field. And that's probably what drew me into medicine and kids 
Uh, but when I, when I entered Wake Forest, quickly was introduced to the possibilities in education. So I became a teacher, taught for eight years, loved every minute of it, and then had the tap on the shoulder uh, to become an administrator. And I just realized, you know, I enjoy teaching individuals, whether they're children or adults, and being an administrator. And a superintendent today gives me a chance to do both. So what did you enjoy most about being a classroom teacher? Uh, experiences. So I taught math and science. Um, favorite part of the day, science experiments. I've always said, you know, science is an experience. It isn't something that you read in a book and answer the questions. It is a, a actions that we take and always enjoyed um, creating experiences for kids in science to watch their eyes light up. No, science can be fun. It was difficult for me, like, in the classroom, but the most fun was yeah. I always like the chemistry experiments. But you remember those. That that's what I kids kids need to remember science every day. And we can make <laughs> we can make that happen every day for kids. The challenge is sometimes as teachers, we don't always do that, but that is always our opportunity for sure. And so you're national board certified now because of mm -hmm. being able to do special things like that. Uh what pushed you to pursue board certification? And what was your journey like? Did you achieve on yeah. the first attempt or what happened? Yeah, so I was the first class. So way back in 1993. Oh, man. Class, yeah, I know, I know. I'm, I, yeah, I was 12 years old at the time. No, it's, it's funny. <laughs> uh, but started that process. I won't give you my age. Uh, there, just, we'll just leave it there. <laughs> there you go. So I started the process in 93 uh, and then was certified in, in fact, I just looked certificate October of 1994. Uh, among the first group in the nation, there were 81 of us across the country that were certified that very first year and got to go to the White House. And, and at that time, Bill Clinton was the president. So, you know, hung out in the White House for a little bit, celebrating the National Board for Professional Teaching Standards. But it was a pretty arduous journey. Uh, there weren't, I didn't have anyone else in my school or community that was going through the process. So I did it alone um, and, uh, and achieved it in that first time. Oh, that's tough. So that means you got the box, right? Like you got the. Oh, I had the box. Yes. In fact, I remember <laughs> filling the box and then mailing the box uh, with a billion dollar insurance policy because I felt like my whole life was in the box at that point, sending it off and hoping for the best. Then you achieved. So achieved. Yes. <laughs> yep. So how did uh, achievement impact your career? Change really changed the way I taught. First of all, I, I it, it transitioned me from. Uh, really understanding that teaching is something that you you do uh, in front of kids, almost like the show and tell scenario, to really understanding that teaching is is about learning, and it only occurs when kids are learning. You know, the national board process made me a reflective practitioner. I had never really analyzed student work. I hadn't really monitored the growth and progress of my students. Didn't know how to do that. Um, and the board, the national board process, taught me to become a reflective practitioner taught me how to look closely at student work to ensure that every child is growing um, as they should grow. And, and now in leadership, it's the same thing, uh, working with the adults around me to make sure that, that they're being developed um, and that they're growing and improving each and every day. And then looking at evidence specifically uh, that demonstrates that that fact is happening. And you're a big champion for us over in Ector County with our Permian Strategic Grant, Permian Strategic Basin Grant. It's been awesome to see the work you do for like you do all on social media. You're so active. I, I love the like I'm the person who gets to run on social media. I love seeing you. So you're there. And our and our uh, mentions and all that stuff is great. What is it? Uh, as of a couple of minutes ago, I found out you guys have 128 candidates in that area. What does it mean to have that many people in your area going through the process? 
Yeah, means a lot. So I, I know as a superintendent and then having been through this process that those, the National Board Certified Teachers uh, are among the best in the country. And the evidence supports that. A National Board Certified Teacher uh, outperforms a teacher that is not certified. They're more effective uh, than other teachers. And our students in our community deserve to have the very best teachers. Anything that we can do as an organization to build the capacity of our teachers, anything that we can do to build the profession is something that we need to do. And thanks to the Permian Strategic Partnership, they contributed $2 million to just our school district to, to really support the process. So today, you know, our, our uh, in fact, in Texas, the board certification process is paid for by the state of Texas. And then our funds are used to coach our teachers. So every teacher that goes through the process has a full-time coach that supports their development. And, and then we have also district staff, a team that supports the development of those individuals. Um, at the end of the day, our kids win. When our teachers uh, go through this process and become more effective, our kids uh, win. Uh, their experience is much more effective. So you guys have been really been able to build out a really robust program out there in the last couple of years. Yes, we have. We've been doing this work three years now um, and started, you know, with a, a small group of teachers going through the process, added about 30 more teachers this year or last year, and then have right at 100 more teachers this year. So a significant number. In fact, our our first group uh, will submit and receive their information. They'll be notified in December of this year. Oh man, I know they've been so, Yeah, for <laughs> us, we're, we're all excited for them um, and look forward to that opportunity for sure. Yeah. Oh, every story I hear, I know they're nervous. So. No, they are, I'm sure they Shout are. out to them for doing the work. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, how did becoming board certified uh, impact or help you in your current role as superintendent now? I would start with reflective practitioner. Even today as a leader, uh, at the end of every day, uh, just reflecting back on the day, whether meetings that I held with individuals or groups of people, conversations that I had, uh, activities, events that I was a part of, uh, the effectiveness of those things. What was the impact of each of those? Uh, could I have done that better? Is there something uh, that, that, that I could do as a superintendent to be more effective tomorrow than I was today? Uh, and then I also reflect on the organization. Is there something that we as an organization can be better at tomorrow than we were today. So I number one is being a reflective practitioner. I've carried that with me since the day um, I was uh, certified by the National Board. And the second thing is just excellence. You know, National Board uh, certification is the gold standard of excellence in teaching and learning in our country. And just always wanting, always aspiring to be excellent in whatever capacity uh, that I happen to hold, but also that the organization that I served was as the very best that they could be. So all about excellence, whether it's in the classroom or in leadership, making sure that we're always excellent. Because at the end of the day, we serve kids and our children, wherever they happen to live in this country, deserve uh, to be served by excellence. And so in your role, you're charged with keeping up with the ever-changing needs of teachers and students. How do you do that? Lots of listening. Um, you know, I have to listen to what's happening and listening comes through certainly conversations with people and understanding uh, their values and struggles and, and opportunities, but also reading a lot. So listening to words, whether it's articles or information in print, but whatever comes my way, just making sure that I absorb all of that. And then it goes back to the reflection piece, reflecting upon what it is that I heard, and then uh, using all of that to inform decisions uh, that we make as an organization. So the pandemic has left us in a lot of 
weird spaces when it comes to education. Mm-hmm. What are some pandemic era changes to education that you think have been effective and positive for students and teachers? We, like, we don't have to, a lot of people like to harp on the negative. What have been some positive changes that you've seen that have been effective and helpful for students that we can keep going forward? Sure, we've certainly seen those. Uh, I think, again, while there were certainly some negative with virtual, we also have positives from our virtual experience today. In our organization, I have 6,000 students that have their own private tutor, and all of those tutors access kids virtually. Uh, Those tutoring sessions take place during the day. Uh, Before the pandemic, I didn't have adults in our community that were able to serve uh, the one-on-one tutoring needs of our kids. And so the pandemic really forced us to look outside um, of face-to-face individuals. And now we have people from all over the country that are tutoring our students, professionally trained tutors, um, and all of that happens virtually. So a huge learning uh, from us uh, from the pandemic perspective in in incorporating uh, the virtual realm. Uh, Social emotional learning. Uh, We had made some small investments in social emotional learning, but the pandemic really brought a new layer of of challenge and opportunity uh, for our students and our families. And so we've invested heavily in the social emotional learning supports that we provide for students and families in our organization. Thank you. So we're going to shift back to a little bit of stuff outside of your career. So you made several stops along your career. You've been a lot all over the South. Atlanta, Charlotte, Houston, yeah. and now you're over in uh, West Texas. West Texas. Houston is East Texas. Like yes, I used to is. live in Houston. Hey, there you I go. I know this. Yeah. Uh, let's get some rec- restaurant recommendations from the staffs along your career. We'll start in Atlanta. What restaurant recommendation you got? Oh, here? in Atlanta, the Atlanta Fish Market in okay. Buckhead. Yeah, got to go to the Fish Market. Uh, Charlotte. Yeah. But Mary Max, I have to look at Mary Max too. Is a oh, fun Mary place Max, in okay. Mary yeah, Max, yeah, 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 Atlanta Fish there Market. And in Charlotte, oh, the, my favorite place actually is closed in Charlotte. Um, so I, it was a, a great Italian place that I used to go to. Um, so me Piaci is probably what I lived up in Charlotte. Okay, okay. Uh, Houston? Yeah. Instead of a restaurant in Houston, it's a, Listen, whole, it's a, it's a whole road. <laughs> <laughs> Houston is the most diverse city in the country. Um, and uh, yeah, there the, the diversity of food in that city is, is incredible. Um, but they do barbecue really well. So I'd say Killian's barbecue, best beef rib in my entire life, Killian's barbecue. But, but if you're a foodie, Houston is the place to be. Listen, I live in DC now and I can't do barbecue anymore outside of Texas. It's, it's, it's really painful. It's different. Like I've tried a couple of spots here and it just all fails. So meet you in Houston. We're going to Killens for barbecue. All right, cool. And then your local place, Odessa, Texas. Give us a yeah. restaurant for there. Yeah. So I'd say uh, Delicia's. It is um, a, a locally owned Mexican place uh, that family recipes. They serve a local clientele, and uh, one of the first places I went that continues to to uh, to serve good food. So I enjoy that. Okay. Traditional uh, experience. Okay, okay, we'll try it out. We'll try it out. Well, when we get out there, I'm gonna do this 50 yard line and we're gonna go to the least. There you go. There you go. Come on out. <laughs> Have those tickets waiting for you. All right, all right. What is the last book you read that took you into a completely different world? Mm. I, I, I actually gonna go back a few years to Outliers. Outliers made me think about um, both ends. We, we talk a lot in education um, about uh, um, the, the bell curve and 
that outliers made me pay attention to the tips, the people on either end of that curve, which are the few uh, that in, in one, ca one case produce excellence, but just the amount of time and energy and effort that it truly takes to be an outlier in whatever organization you have to be. And sometimes in education, we don't necessarily pay attention to our outliers because we're so focused on the majority. Um, that book really helped shape my thinking in that all of our kids across the spectrum deserve our time and attention. Um, even the kids that sometimes seem to be uh, seem to have it all together, uh, they also need support and encouragement uh, to be truly the outlier that they deserve to be. No, and it could be hard being an outlier because it's very lonely, like the bell curve. It's yeah. it's, it's narrow for it's a reason. It's not a lot out there. That's exactly right. Oh, absolutely. But those that do deserve to be pushed and supported and encouraged. All right. And last one, if you if you had a talk show, who would be your top two guests? Well, you would be the first. Is okay, that the right cool. answer? I like it. <laughs> no, I think um, a world, uh, probably Mahatma Gandhi. I, I think there's a lot of great history there that would be interesting uh, to, again, understanding the past and, and just an era of time would be fascinating if we can uh, bring people back. Uh, in today's world, um, Elon Musk is a fascinating character. Oh, man, he for, had a uh, busy week last week. He did, he did. But for a variety of reasons, he has an interesting perspective. But really, uh, he's, and, and uh, when you think about outliers, you know, he was that kid in school that probably was at the tip. Uh, and he's able to, been able to uh, take what, what uh, his experiences and, and create a pretty interesting opportunity for himself in today's world. And, and certainly a leader and an innovator and a, a thinker. Um, so it'd be fun to understand what, what makes him tick. And on a podcast, we got a feature called the shoulder tap. So you'll be shoulder tapping however many teachers you think are ready to go through the national board process. So with this context, Scott, who are you shoulder tapping to go through the process next year? I would actually lift up two groups of people. In our district, we have a group of teachers uh, that have proven their excellence. Uh, we have a program in our district called the Teacher Incentive Allotment. It identifies the top 15% of teachers that grow kids at an accelerated rate. So they have evidence of success. And we have currently 120 teachers in that pool. Some of those teachers are also in the national board process, but all of our teachers that are board certified. The second group I'd looked up would be our teachers of the year. Our schools do a great job of identifying uh, their shining stars at the local level, uh, but every teacher of the year should explore this possibility. And so two groups of, of teachers that certainly, and we have actually done a good job of tapping them already, <laughs> but uh, they need to hear it publicly that they should pay attention. And really across the state of Texas, teacher incentive a lot of teachers, any teacher in Texas that has proven themselves to be effective, this is the opportunity for them to next level. All right, and where can the people find you on social media? I'm a Twitter and LinkedIn are my two areas. So Twitter account is Scott Murray, S-C-O-T-T-M-U-R-I. And then LinkedIn, you can just search my name, Scott Murray, M-U-R-I, and, and find me on LinkedIn. So those are my two areas. All right. Thank you for the time, Scott. I really appreciate it. And you're welcome, Eddie. Thank you for the opportunity. Scott is such a fun character. Really well spoken. I had a lot of fun talking with Scott. Make sure you write down those restaurant recommendations. I know I am. Anyway, thanks again to Scott for taking the time to chat with me and thank you for listening to National Board Conversations. And be sure to follow us on all our social media and we'll see you next time.